Hello, everybody. Welcome to the 69th nice. episode of the Manor Podcast. I'm your co-host, Roger Bodie, joined as always with my best friend and other co-host, Michael Hamilton. Michael, you don't drink coffee, so you don't enjoy pumpkin spice lattes like I do. I'm a basic bitch. I love pumpkin spice lattes. What's your like <laughs> fall is coming uh, exciting thing that you have going on? Are there any foods or fall like items that you usually enjoy this time of year? Uh, I don't think I do anything special food wise or eating wise, drink wise. Pumpkin like pie? That. No, I'm not a I don't usually have pumpkin pie because I don't usually. You're just not a not pumpkin person. Pumpkin pie either. Yeah, I'm not. I'm not a pumpkin person. That's that's no. not incorrect. I love pumpkin. I like pumpkin um, seeds. I like pumpkin carving. I like pumpkin spice lattes. I like uh, like roasted pumpkin. It's just a squash. You can have that. It's pretty good. Is is pumpkin spice just like pumpkin seasoning? Basically, like the seasoning, the seasoning that tastes like pumpkin. It's like pumpkin pie seasoning. So it's got like nutmeg and cinnamon and like all these other, uh, it's just a combination of flavors. That's just delicious. But, um, so over the years, is there any gotten... pumpkin and pumpkin spice? No, no, no. It's just flavoring. Okay. You're not actually drinking pumpkin, but I've had, okay. I've had three this week. I've had three pumpkin spice lattes, which. I normally don't get Starbucks all hardly ever at all, but they hooked me. They've hooked me with their pumpkin spice once again this year. When the seasonal items are in, tis the season. Yeah. Is it even what a seasonal are you item? Do? Not drink coffee? It is a, it's a seasonal item. They, it's only around for like five months of the year, which is actually way longer than you think it would be. You know, it usually pops up around now, like September, or sorry, uh, yeah, September. And then it stops sometime around December. So I guess okay. three months, three months out of the year. I see. And then they come in with peppermint and that's just gross. I hate peppermint flavored things. Why? It is just, uh, it's not appealing to my taste buds. Why don't you like coffee? Okay. Cause it's gross. There you go. <laughs> there you go. Okay. So what are we talking about today? <laughs> Let's let's review de- nationals deck lists. Let's let's critique people's ability to build deck lists, even though they won tournaments. What we like about deck lists, what we think is going to keep going going forward, and yeah, you want to review some deck lists. Yeah, I do love critiquing deck lists that win tournaments. It is a good good hobby. Yeah. All right. So, what, what tournament winning deck list are we starting with? Let's start with Big Bad Lexi. I hate Lexi. <laughs> so, Isaac so Isaac Crute took down. <laughs> so Isaac Crute took down Canadian Nationals with Lexi. Um, his list is actually very different from the list that the, the Wolfpack was playing. So, going through his equipment, he has. Final spring. Wait, we're not doing that. Hornets. We're not. We're not. We're not reading. We're not doing we're that. Not reading. We don't read anymore. Remember, we stopped. We people said uh, that we don't like. They don't like hearing all the items. Remember, we don't read the deck list off anymore. So we're just going to talk about the deck list without reading it. Did we do that last time? Yeah, we. Yeah, that's we. we, we that's exactly okay. what we did last time, and it was our most popular <laughs> deck list review episode. All right, all right. I will not read through the the. I will not read through the thing. So, 
yeah, we're gonna talk, we're about, gonna talk about the stuff. notable cards. Yeah, let's talk about some notable equipment. We got we got we got quiver of abyssal so, depths floating around there, respecting that fatigue. Yeah, both quivers. Um, a lot of decks just play one. Um, even I think we saw Craig Grumples at U.S. Nationals was just playing abyssal depths and not playing wrestling leaves. But here we see both quivers. Uh, we have AB two with trench of sunken treasure and Nolvern gloves. So against the wizards, you have AB two if you want it. Um, no shock charmers. So going with Nolvern gloves over shock charmers for both Kano and Icelander. Then uh, tunic, of course, and then everything else is pretty typical. We see both shoes, both perch clapplers and snapdragon scalers. Just basically all the equipment that you might play, except I guess shock charmers is missing. What do you think about that uh, new Horizon headpiece, though? Do you think um, you know that that might be the best headpiece? Do you think maybe they might want to swap that out with something else? Crown of Providence um, is pretty good. I would I would not recommend swapping your new Horizon via Crown of Providence, especially so. Especially these Lexi decks that create so many Ponder tokens with Codex of Frailty, Codex of Inertia, and Premeditate. Having all of those, you definitely want the extra arsenal slot because you're going to have some stupid random arrow face down in your arsenal you're going to use your lexi hero ability to flip it face up and then new horizon gives you that second second arsenal slot that's real important so you can like do multiple things on your turn not just fire one arrow hmm. okay i'll take you word from word <laughs> so if we're looking at cards in deck though cards in deck we got some lightning press that's not as I know Yuki was on some lightning press, right? That's been that's been picking up more and more popularity. Yeah, yeah. Yuki played three when she won the calling in Las Vegas, and we see three here in Isaac's list as well. Uh not a lot um, of poppers though. That's for sure. There's only two command and conquer, one battering bolt. That's it for poppers, right? Yeah. So I actually think that's where lightning press shines the most is the fact that if a drum is trying to fatigue you or block you out, then these lightning presses look great. They're just like pumping your arrows over block points, getting your on hits through, just presenting extra damage. But if the drum is trying to race you and they build up a board of dragons that you need to answer with a popper, then lightning press kind of doubles the popper. Sure. It takes an extra card to pop with it where you have to like play an arrow and then lightning or to block with an arrow and then lightning press it to pump it to seven power or six power. But it, it kind of does. It kind of, is very clean against Dromai for that reason. And then it also is much better against these fatigue decks just playing big, dumb poppers. So Lightning Press, really, really an all-star in the spot. That's fair. Like I said, I forgot completely about the uh, Lightning Press, your defending card trick. That's, uh, that's cute. Yeah. What about these tar, pat, so, tar uh, What about these tar pit traps? Explain tar pit trap to me. Why, why would you play tar pit trap? What's this card doing? So... Tarpet Trap is good against Katsu and Lexi, I think, are the main matchups that you're looking to play it where you block something that has go again with it and then their next attack that hits won't trigger an on hit. So if they fire an endless arrow for four go again, you're like, oh, do I block for four and then just get blown out by rain raisers? Do I block for six? And then if they just don't rain raisers, then I'm really sad. Well, Tarpet Trap says you don't got to worry about it. You just block for three and it doesn't have an on hit anymore. So essentially like saving you full card of value sometimes where you don't have to you don't have to commit like a whole extra card to stop the on hit when these on hits are sometimes worth a full card of value and then tarpet trap is also kind of nice that it's a yellow so a lot of lexi lists 
are on Arctic incarceration, multiple copies of it. This one is not, but a lot of them are. So in the Lexi mirror specifically, having a yellow instead of like, let's say a frailty trap at red is very nice where you're just more likely able to pay for frostbites. Yeah, that makes sense. The one card that you can't put in your deck a tar pit trap at the same time, I imagine, are these also Codex of Inertias? You probably can't put Codex of Inertia and tar pit trap in your deck at the same time, huh? You can because so if you <laughs> just seems so dangerous. Codex of Inertia, if you Codex of Inertia with your Lexi ability available still as like your last card in hand, you hit the tar pit trap, you activate Lexi to flip it face up, you pass and then you draw for your ponder and arsenal the card so in order for your opponent to kind of get you then first um they have to not attack you at all otherwise you can just play out the target trap on whatever they attack you with and block for three and second even if they decide not to attack at all if your arsenal is just something that has go again or something that has a way to get go again like a bolt and shot or uh falcon wing or you even just have snapdragons available or it's a non-attack action like premeditate or ice quake or something like that then you can just play it out still use your voltaire to load some arrows and fire some arrows so it's not the end of the world if you hit a target trap off your codex of inertia and then also what when about you play codex if, inertia, if what's... oh go ahead <laughs> when you play codex of inertia if they're not attacking you after you codex of inertia them then they have an inertia token so what are they doing with their card well, I was just thinking, so I was thinking about the classic Michael Hamilton trapping opponent with a defense reaction in Arsenal. So Lexi can't double Arsenal for the rest of the game. Do you think she could be fatigable at that point? Um, yes, she's definitely fatigable. Um, but like the deck just, that you like want... You see the, the tar pit trap face up and you're just like, I'm not attacking anymore. Yeah, but the decks that you want tar pit trap against, I mentioned Katsu, I mentioned Lexi. Those are matchups where... You can't fatigue them by blocking because your deck just doesn't have enough block value in it. Let me hit you with this angle too. You attack with a heat seeker, you get its trigger. Then you play Codex of Inertia. Oh no, unlucky. Tar pit trap. You flip it up and then you resolve your heat seeker trigger. Oh no, it's the second tar pit trap. Now you have two tar pit traps in your arsenal. What do you do then? <laughs> well, a couple things. First, uh, if you. Well, if that happens, then if your opponent does not attack for the rest of the game, it's probably just a draw. I guess they can very slowly pitch stack to have the perfect hand. But yeah, if someone has to take a game action or it's going to be a draw, and if neither player is taking a game action, then it's going to be a draw. They can pitch stack the perfect hand, but you're going to have a six-card hand with your two tar pit traps and your four cards in hand. So even if they pitch stack perfect hand, it has to be quite good to kill you. And they have to be able to pitch stack without... Um, attacking you. So something like Voltaire that lets you do that. Um, I'm not actually sure what other heroes are capable of pitch stacking without attacking you. Icelander can do it. Runeblades a little um, bit. They're, they're going to max on Corn rune chance, but I guess if you get double tar yeah. pit trap and they just get to have like eight, eight extra rune chance and a pretty good hand, then you're in trouble. Yeah, especially if the four cards you draw after your double tar pit trap in Arsenal is like lightning press, lightning press, premeditate. Well, Codex. Fortunately, you can just keep pitching those cards to Voltaire if the game oh, state reaches yeah, that point. You, right. you're, you have yeah, the yeah, weapon yeah. that lets you just pitch cards and put whatever you want on the bottom of your deck. 
But ultimately, there's two tarpit traps. There's not that many matchups that you're going to be playing both tarpit traps into. And the odds that that happens are both very low. And even when it does happen, it's not even game over. So I think tarpit trap is solid. Inclusive. Yeah, that's fair. Yeah, I was just memeing a little bit. What about these uh, cold snaps? These are interesting, right? These aren't, these aren't, this is new technology in Lexi. Yeah, two blue cold snap, not something we usually see. It's just, okay, the, the blues after, <laughs> the blues in Lexi are all kind of mopey after winner's bite. I think three blue winner's bite is like, you start with that. You probably get your three blue Bolton shots in because Bolton shot's so good. And then after that, the blues kind of like fall off quite a bit. So we see no frost lock, but we see cold snaps here. I think cold snap is a two block. So that kind of sucks, but it is one of the blues you're happiest to see off of a ponder token because you're going to give them a frostbite. Then you're going to pay a resource to both make it. So they probably get their arsenal frozen and you just sort of draw a new card for a resource rather than firing some mopey blue arrow. So makes sense. Yeah, I like it. So what do you think about Lexi as a whole in the meta going forward? She's at a little over 900 Living Legend points. Um, Are we just going to suffer through another two months of Lexi beating us up over and over and over again, bashing our head against the wall? Or do you think Elsa should ban something? So (laughs) I feel like that's kind of uh, the way you worded that question feels like it's like yeah we should either keep losing the lexi over and over again or they should ban something and i think yeah it's in a the world where they don't question. ban something <laughs> i don't like it very much i'm leading you to and, an answer that i want to hear <laughs> so, so I, I think we kind of saw the full like circle we saw u.s nationals where these lexi decks were not prepared to take on fatigue they were not prepared to play these long games they were like at least the wolf pack lexis were overtaxed for dromai and even then, I don't know if our drawing matchup was that good still. Um, we saw these, like Yuki's list and Isaac Crude's list both play Lightning Press. They're pretty ready to fight these fatigue decks. They're not like as vulnerable. We see um, Quiver of Abyssal Depths and Isaac's list. We see three Codex of Inertia, three Lightning Press. A lot of these tools that are just very good against fatigue in general. And we also see it, we see it in the, in the Red Arrows slots, what cards, what he's worried about we only see one copy of remorses so this is like saying i'm not i'm not looking to i'm not targeting lexi mirrors i'm targeting these fatigue decks these decks that are trying to block me out and instead of playing remorses which doesn't really have an on hit against these decks that are trying to block a lot we see a, a red sedation shot we see i guess i don't know what else is specifically there but sedation shot in only one remorseless definitely not focus on the lexi matchup um, the cold snaps so might I be a little Lexi bad just, to the Lexi matchup, right? Cold snaps pretty good against Lexi. Yeah, yeah, and then the two target traps are definitely there for the Lexi mirror. But like, there's definitely tools for Lexi to fight the different ways that people are attacking her. I think this is kind of just like a sign that Lexi is the best deck and can probably, if if you know what the enemy is, you can probably build your deck to beat it. That's fair. As Lexi, so. I I would like to see Lexi touched again. I think that, I guess personally, I've had two tournaments where I was like testing a bunch of stuff and I'm just like, yeah, I can't beat the Lexis that are prepared for this. I think I should just switch to Lexi. And I was pretty happy with my decision to switch to Lexi at both PT3 and US Nationals. So Yeah, PT3 was in April. Best deck. That was five months ago. 
that's uh, yeah I, it's yeah, been was, a long time of Lexi being. I'm so fucking sick of Lexi. Like, I don't know if I like. If, this must be how people felt about old time when they were just like, "Just get old. I'm out of here." They, I hate. I I hate Lexi. I, it's like I hate. I've hated this deck for five months now. It's just unfun to play against. The power level spikes are just far and above away better than everything else in the game right now. And it's just like, what? What are we doing here? Come on, come on. Yeah, I think it kind of. Sh- it's kind of showing that like to me it's showing that their kind of ban philosophy has changed from when they banned uh kind of they banned oldheim isolator and file out at once they're like these three decks are too far above the rest and they banned they banned belittle they banned uh hypothermia and amulet of ice and winner's whale that was like yeah they they wanted to shake things up huge and i feel like the community kind of wasn't super happy about that and now we're seeing the other side where they're like yeah lex is the best deck by a mile let's tone her down a little bit now she's just the best deck by two-thirds of a mile (laughs) and yeah uh, people aren't happy with that either so it's it feels like they're kind of like whatever they do people aren't going to be happy with it um so i i don't know what the best answer is lexi is definitely the best deck i think she's been the best deck for a long time which isn't great but that's that's where we're at yeah i guess i don't care it could be the worst meta of all time i'm not really playing much flesh and blood anymore so have fun everybody you're going to dallas right oh yeah i am going to dallas and i guess i should play in a pro quest or something like that too at some point but you know aside from that aside from that yeah let's talk about my boy bolton he uh won uh dutch nationals uh, with bradley wayburn so congrats winning over all the way in uh the netherlands over there and it looks like we are playing some new technology look at all these bannerets oh my god these are nine bannerets nine that's so many bannerets i mean i get that you want to nine is a lot but like uh, what do you think about oh and there's more bannerets in the sideboard jesus christ they never end Look, at there's there's spellbane agus, <laughs> bannerets. Twelve. Well, what are we doing? Spellbane agus is is spicy. Twelve bannerets, definitely uh. a lot of bannerets. Um, you gotta you gotta charge your your bannerets to uh, make your stuff a good rate, right? This, this deck list is blowing my mind in real time as I'm looking at it. More, there's not a single blue card in this entire deck. No nope. blues. This is your blue. That's, that's, uh, that's how they made space for the Sabres combo and for the Raiden plan. Yeah. So we got we got we got Raiden in the main deck and we got Saber combos in the sideboard, but no gallantry gold. So no no comboing with gallantry gold. It's just we're just doing it with naked sabers and a courage blade hold. Uh we also have a soul bond resolve. And I wonder what matchup that comes in for. Maybe the ice matchups, because oh, then so you just try to do... There's three chess pieces, huh? Soulbound Resolve, first Spy until Spring Tune again, Courage of Blade Hold. Yeah. Interesting. So much of this deck is yeah, just blowing is my a... mind. The more I look at it, it's just like, it's like a puzzle wrapped in an enigma that like I just can't comprehend at this level. Two Celestial Cataclysms. I also see no copies of V for Valor. Everybody hates that card. People hate that card so much. And it also Golfing makes sense if you're not playing blues. 
and golfing with here. Courageous Steel Hand. It's ama- it's amazing to me that people are like, yeah, Viva Valor sucks. Give me Courageous Steel Hand. And I'm like, what? I hate Courageous Steel Hand. I've always hated Courageous Steel Hand. All the way back when I played Bolton in Orlando three years ago at this point, two years ago, I, however many years ago at this point, people are like, where's your Courageous Steel Hand? So I'm like, that card sucks. It's not good. It's just it's so bad. I hate Courageous Steel Hand. I, I think it's I like think the card's solid. If your deck's all in on charging every turn, then it's just the plus three attack reaction, which turns on your Bolton ability and hopefully pushes through some of these on hits. See six bolts of courage, three engulfing light that you want to hit, and then the the beacon of when you hit them gain a life. Also, you care about it hitting. They're not beacon the banner it. Yeah, I guess you could technically charge or hit your command and conquer with it if you did that somehow. Yeah, the other card that I'm surprised to see more and more people play is uh, light the way. Light the way. That card makes me sad. Yeah, it's the one that it uh, if you of... charge a yellow card, if you hit, you get go again. So jump through a hoop and jump through another hoop that your opponent lets you <laughs> jump through, and then you get your action point. Yeah, it kind of forces them to block it if they don't want you to have go again, which kind of turns on your Bolton ability, your Bolton hero power to give it go again if they block with an attack action. So it'll have go again anyway. It's kind of like more consistent having go again than maybe like a red bolt of courage or something where they can just be like, no blocks. Do you have a way to give it go again? So, go ahead. Yeah. What do you have I, to say? I want to hear your Bolton thoughts. I don't think the card's very good, but you need the critical mass of charge cards, and I think all of the cards, basically, let's say charge on them, are pretty pretty mopey. So, by the way, it's probably better than the yeah, Vanguard's pretty good charge card. Well, that one, yeah, sure, sure, sure. That one's very good. Yeah, three good charge cards. Take fight's also good. I I can get behind, honestly. Red beating Bravado being good, Red Bolt of Courage being good, Red Take Fight being good, and Via the Vanguard being good. I think all all twelve of those cards have a solid argument that they are good. Yeah. After that good. it gets a little more dicey. Yeah, gets it's dicey real fast, that's for sure. Sometimes I'm like, yeah, I'm excited to play Bolton once Lexi rotates. And then I look at Bolton cards and I'm like, am I? <laughs> am I really excited? To... This is really what I want to be doing with my life. Spirit of Urine has a, a sick card. And then Lumina Ascension is a sick card. Beacon of Victory is a sick card. I'm just imagining drawing a hand of like Banneret, Banneret, Beacon of Victory valiant thrust and i'm like what are we doing here that's why you i guess the new headpiece card in arsenal that's why you played the new headpiece the new headpiece i guess will give you uh that makes that hand actually perfectly functional because you can just pitch it to charge yeah, the, the headpiece is not out yet right the spoiler yeah it's yeah. a spoiler uh, bologna's something something right the something yeah something this list just piece. has crown of providence for the hat so uh I guess there's a Halo of Illumination also. Probably part of the Sabres combo package, but War Warband of Balloon. I guess Crown we can talk about that new spoiler. Combo. Yeah, sure, go for it. What does the card do? Uh it's a temper, two block, headpiece, action for two resources. Destroy this next time. You attack this turn, you may charge your hero soul. If a yellow card is charged this way, draw a card. 
Let's go again on the action. It's good. So two I just it's two resources. I, yeah, two resources. So you're pitching a yellow, charging a yellow, probably attacking with Raiden because uh, it costs your resources. I'm just so numb at this point. I, I can't like I like this card should make me super excited and happy, but like I'm just so dead on the inside to Bolton being good. I just I look at this card and I'm like, this card can't actually be good, right? There's no way. They they refuse. There were no way there would actually be a good Bolton card printed ever again. They've given Bolton so much high rarity equipment. <laughs> so many high rarity cards in general, also with the spirit of Irina in here as well. So yeah, oh. I mean, he got he has Soul Bond Resolve. This now, like, does, does Light Warrior have the most like pieces of talent? Yeah, War- Warrior also has. Uh, Warrior also has two legendary gloves and legendary shoes, and the the shield I believe is a majestic too. Yeah. So no legendary weapons, yet, which is really surprising to me. I'm really surprised we've never seen a legendary weapon. I don't know. So with, I think it kind of makes sense to shift away from that with weapons living legending with the heroes, or I guess they were never there, but like if they were considering it, I think it makes sense to move away from it or not go that direction. That makes sense. Yeah, 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 yeah. That makes sense. Okay. All right. I'm behind it. Bolton, still doing Bolton things. Savers combo, Raiden, both are not amazing, but I guess going to have to take down two tournaments, so... Go Bolton. Yeah, he, he's clearly playable. You know, he won two national tournaments. Great deck. Yep. Can't See say here. anything bad about <laughs> okay, it. Okay, next. <laughs> well, to, to be fair, we all know how your heroes that you rate C tier wind up doing. Now he's going to win four tournaments in a row. Wait, who did I put in C tier that won four tournaments? Oh, Iceland. Iceland. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I also put Briar kind of low too, so. Oh, well, what are we going to do? <laughs> Did I talk about Icelander now? Luxembourg sure. Nationals from Adam Mateki. Yeah. So we have a Bullander list here. We got three wounded. Yeah, yeah, Bullander. Two fate for yeah, scenes to go with the three sync blows. A bunch of D-Reacts. Um, got some Brother in Arms popping that, up again. Our Brother in Arms is back. Three energy potions. This this list looks exactly like Majin Bay's list. Majin Bay's just on three energy potions. I think that's the most surprising thing about this list to me. I know energy potions were very much trimmed and trimmed and trimmed. So playing three again uh, is just interesting to me. Yeah, it's just like, I think the theory behind it from listening to his talk is that there's no sideboard card that gives you more edge in any matchup than energy potion does in the wizard matchup. So you might as well just max out on energy potions. That's fair. Um, one thing, one, actually, one notable exclusion from this list. This is not Majin based list. It has zero copies of Warmonger's Diplomacy. It's not even bothering. I can get behind if that. All the, if, if you know all the Luxes are going to register Trench against you anyway, then I think it makes a lot of sense. Yeah, what's the point? Diplomacy. Because yeah. you're never casting it if they're blind trench, and that's the matchup that's there. For, for as much as everybody complains about Warmonger's diplomacy, I feel like there's like one deck. It like it's just hosing Azalea at this point in time, right? I, I mean, Viscerai. I guess maybe Viscerai a little bit, but for a generic 
card to be good against two decks in like the entire field. I actually don't think it's that bad. Like I think I think Warmongers has caught a little too much hate. Yeah, I I still don't know if it should be a blue block three. I think probably shouldn't be looking at I guess thinking about some of these blue two block defense reactions that are like very narrow niche and sometimes you get better than two points. Have you heard um, Brian spiel about why it's a blue block three? No, I must I don't I don't think so. How come? So his his rationale was if it blocks two, it's unplayable. If it's a yellow, it's unplayable. So modifying it or making it any worse makes it so that it's basically just a non-functional card. So it has to be a blue block three in order for it to actually see play. What are your thoughts on that? So I guess I don't know if that's true. Cause if you look at other like of these like sideboard hoser cards, like you look at like fog down as another example, it's like a yellow three block that costs three. So it, it costs a whole extra card and is a yellow compared to being a blue. I think fog down at blue block three would see some play. Um, hypothermia blocks too similar where it's just like fog fog um, down at blue would actually be sick in bravo because you'd have a three cost blue that turns on and yeah that's true um hypothermia is similar where it's hosing very specific things it is a blue block too saw a lot of play before i got banned i think icelander was part of that but it also saw some play in old time back when Mm-hmm. Old time was looking for things to do against uh, Dash and Channel Mount Heroic Briar. So, um, hypothermia is an example of just when the heavier ice builds of Lexi were playing it. Okay. If memory so, serves, I think I remember. Yeah, I don't remember exactly Alley's what list. I don't remember exactly what Lexi list back then looked like. I feel like my perception of Lexi has I forgot all the history, and now I'm just like it's the <laughs> the a million arrows <laughs> codex of frailty codex deck that we know and love today. <laughs> love uh-huh. so i i am suspect of his statement that it would see no play if it was not a blue block three i think blue block two or yellow block three would both um see some play not nearly as much as it does now but i think there would be many games where you would want to pack it and it would be much more common to not include it but if we're seeing Icelander trim it or cut it already then maybe maybe it's not too good maybe it's fine yeah, I, I, I really don't think the cards do good. As as the format evolved and shaken out and decks have figured out more and more ways to play around it. And I even think there are builds of Icelander and Viserai that like can hedge their bets to play around it if they really want to. And it's one of those things where as it's popped, like as it gets decreasing in numbers as those decks are played less and less, the more it's just time to play like, okay, well, let's just play these decks. Nobody's packing the hate anyways and they can function. And we can kind of start seeing that cycle pop through kind of we see with uh, Arcane Barrier, so... I don't know. We'll see. Yeah. Yeah. I I think that makes a lot of sense where like you have first this card comes out. It's really good. People play Viscera and Azalea anyway and just lose to the card over and over again. Card seems broken. People stop playing Azalea and Viscera. So at some point it stops being worth the slots when those heroes aren't being played. You you stop playing the card and then suddenly these heroes that are quite powerful uh, are kind of free to come back. And then when they come back Cards start should start seeing play again. Loop cycle. Sure. That's that's a reasonable take. Yeah, for sure. We're moving on to Bravo. We're talking about some Bravo in Malaysia, the Coke bin. Sure. Sure. So what do you think about Bravo? Bravo. Is he still mopey? He's better than doing some mopey Bravo things. Um mostly I think mostly I think he's better than I thought he was because he 
Yeah, yeah. I think if I had, uh, if I had realized that I wasn't happy with Briar soon enough, then maybe I would have ended up on Bravo. I think uh, Ben took him to second place at the calling, Ben Hannon, and I was kind of talking to him a little bit about Bravo, and I'm like, yeah, I think I'm, I think I'm on board, but I just honestly haven't played enough Bravo to feel comfortable taking him to nationals when I played a lot of Lexi and Lexi's probably better than Bravo anyway. So, um, yeah, I think Bravo's good. I think he has a pretty reasonable Lexi matchup, which helps a lot. I think a lot of his other matchups aren't great. I think Icelander's probably pretty favored in, or at least slightly favored in them. I think Dash is favored in them. I think Briar is definitely favored in them, though Briar is gone now. And we'll, we'll see. I don't actually know. He has a, he has a very good Azalea matchup. We'll see. I think he is probably, or I think he's a reasonable choice, especially if Lexi is still around. I think if you want a deck that can at least be reasonable into Lexi, then Bravo is worth considering. Though, again, if you look at Isaac Crude's deck, I think Isaac's Crude deck, Crude's, Isaac Crude's Lexi deck looks quite good against Bravo. It's positioned to fight Bravo pretty well with um, Cutting Remorse is still playing all the hamstring shots and playing all the Codex of Inertias and stuff. So, yeah, um, yeah, that's interesting. But this Bravo deck, I think the biggest thing that stands out to me is it's only playing one copy of Fate for Scene to go with the three sync blow, just kind of hedging away from defense reactions. Playing some unmovables in that spot instead, some red unmovables floating around, which is interesting. Oh, I see. Yeah, the two red unmovables. Mm-hmm. Then there's a uh, Zell's belting, which makes sense. Uh, so I guess I could talk about this now. So. Uh, I was working on Bravo for a very long time and, uh, I didn't wind up committing to Bravo because I felt like, uh, as people got better in the format, especially on the Wolfpack or the meta as a whole, as decks kind of got streamlined and things got figured out more, Bravo got worse and worse. And I think Bravo's really good at punishing inefficient decks or players who are playing inefficiently against him just because he has you know good blocking capabilities and efficient weapon but also punishes opponents for kind of not playing optimally so when your opponent's not playing optimally and they're kind of missing points of damage or they're kind of giving you that space that gives them the room to be like okay cool i'll just take this vanilla 10 damage or whatever that's going on this turn here's a dominated spinal crush or dominate a crippling crush or dominate starstruck now and so before he just didn't really have that critical density of like threats to capitalize on that but that's definitely changed now uh i would say uh so going back to zell's belting dromai is still an incredibly challenging matchup for him so in that slot instead i was playing um out muscles red and I think he, I was even on a couple blue before putting down the deck just because uh, you get a popper and it's going to have go again into most matchups that you're playing it in against anyways. I think you really just only lose equity in like the mirror, but uh, not super concerned about that. And I was really unhappy with Zell's belting because you don't, you have six less blue six powered attacks than old him. So old him had access to uh, glacial footsteps and uh what was the mulch yeah i I was like then there was the earth one i could remember it yeah mulch but instead you're playing imposing visage and showtime in those slots and those cards don't turn on zealous belting (laughs) and so there are quite a number (laughs) of hands that i was experiencing that just zealous belting just didn't have go again and that card's real bad when it doesn't have go again i don't know if you knew that 
Yeah, just uh, the old two two card five, not where you want to be. Yeah. And at the start of this conversation, I was like, maybe the future is really bright for Bravo, too. Because like once Lexi goes away, like maybe the format slows down a little bit and then he can just come in and dominate things. I was like, oh, wait, Dash and Dromai are just going to come up. And, just, and and he's also not particularly amazing in Icelander either, which is a little counterintuitive. Um, I don't so, think that matchup is horrible for him. The Icelander matchup, but I, I would rather be on the Icelander side. Same. I think the last interesting thing about this particular deck list, though, was there's three blue pummels um, on top of the three red pummels. Blue pummel doesn't see a lot of play, but um, I guess just really looking to put his foot on the ass pedal and just push those on hits as much as possible. Yeah, and giving up the Warmonger's diplomacies here as well to make room for him. Not seeing a lot of warmongers floating around. It might be uh, Zalia's time to shine. Yep. Possibly. <laughs> Maybe. Speaking of Dromai, you want to move on to Dromai? Let's talk about some Dromai. All right. So, Marcel Harz. <laughs> we did it. Unplayable here. <laughs> uh, took down the German nationals with Dromai. <laughs> okay. Maybe not unplayable. Um. Yeah, especially after she gets her new card, that that uh, tome's gonna be quite good. Oh man, that tome makes me sad. So, have you seen the 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 most recent? So it, it's a week away from the ban announcement, and all of a sudden, people on Twitter are beating for a card to be banned in Classic Constructed out of Dromai. Can you name the card that I've seen the most people want banned out of Dromai? Just just take a guess in the dark. <sighs> I didn't know there were people wanted a card banned from Dromai. People um, want people want. A there's, there's, I've seen multiple multiple people call for call for this ban. Is it a Draconic Illusionist card? No. Oh yes. It's Is well. It, hold on. Let me. Yes, it's a Draconic Illusionist card. Okay. I, my my first guess was Remembrance. So. <laughs> um, yeah, it's not Remembrance. Uh, Is it Dust Up? Nope. It's Invoke Tomultai. People want Tomultai banned. Oh, interesting. I don't know, dude. I, so uh, I do kind of get it because in the Lexi matchup, a lot of the time the game comes down to is Tomultai blowing up your New Horizons. <laughs> and the fact that so many games are just decided by finding Tomultai early enough and then hitting two reds on top after having to put blues in your deck to make sure you could cast the tumult tie. It's just kind of like really high variance games. And it feels really bad when you lose to as a Lexi player to get your new horizons getting blown up on turn three or something. And as the draw my player, I don't, I guess the draw my players are, people are calling for the ban on the band. one check that is high variance on Lexi. That's basically what's that's that's how I see it. I see it as there's like one high variance check on Lexi, and you can say, oh, "Well, it feels bad." Okay, well, like name any single deck that has any single good answers to anything Lexi's doing. Lexi has some good answers to Lexi. Have you ever played a Codex of Frailty against oh. a Lexi opponent? Feels pretty good. <laughs> <laughs> you can say maybe Usury, but even then, that's like if the if, if Lexi just pivots to a little bit more ice, uh, then that matchup's like not that bad. Uh, it's like 50-50 at when that's her worst matchup is 50-50 and I think it's just like pushing things too far to say like oh let's ban Tomultai because it can maybe sometimes beat Lexi in an unfun well it's like 
I don't know. I I just, I think it's a fine card to exist. It's a one of. It's not happening a lot. It, there's there's deck building requirements, like you're saying. It's hard to cast out of the time. Maybe not so much with the new tome. It'll get easier to play. But I I guess I just don't care that much about a one off effect that blows up equipment because we've already seen effects like this be important to a metagame Um, in like uh, what was the ice card that blew up equipment that was seeing play. Expose the elements. I can't. Expose the elements. That card was seeing some play for a little while, and I think that that card's fine. Like that, nobody was upset about that card, and I think it was easier to blow up the equipment that you wanted to blow up with expose than it was. Oh, it was an old high mirrors. That's right. I remember if you you ever got like your tunic or something like that exposed, or your crown of seeds blown up in the old high mirror, then like it was really good, and I. I I just, I just think calling for a tumult tie is banned is like a step too far in something I just wholeheartedly like just think is silly. But that's that's just one man's opinion. Yeah, I, I would agree. I don't think tumult tie should be banned currently. I think right now Dromai is not even putting up results to warrant being touched. I think Dromai is like solidly in the top ten decks in the format. But that's like <laughs> okay cool so i don't know i get that it it definitely does feel bad when you get your hat blown up i don't think that it feels bad when you die to a three of a kind rain razors it feels bad when you lose (laughs) anything what's a good what's like what's a card that your loot that kills you and you're like oh this was really really fun and engaging i'm glad i died to this really cool and fun (laughs) interesting thing that killed me this felt really good yay i love losing name name that card It feels bad when you die. When I die in Lightning Strike, it just feels fine. That's fine. You got me, buddy. It feels bad when you die to uh, Frost Hex and Insidious Chills that just strips all your cards out of your hand and you didn't get to play the game because it just took all the cards. That feels bad. Should we ban Insidious Chill? Like, are we just banning cards that lead to, to, like, that win games that people think is not fair? Like, I I don't understand. I I do think when you... When you die to Frost Hex and City of Show, you knew this was coming for like 15 turns, so it doesn't feel too bad. I don't know. I It's just like, the I, I, no part of my brain understands even considering banning Tomaltai. So, yeah. I don't know. Yeah, I, I would not, I, I would not advocate for a Tomaltai ban. I, I would be against it, but, you know, uh i wasn't i don't know people, people are allowed to have, have their, their opinions, opinions. yeah yeah we did it we got there uh, uh no time skippers that, here i think oh, yeah. i think time, no time skippers, skippers are some sweet tech when you're going first you gotta pitch three reds make three ash play your time skippers yeah, you on. see the ghostly touch still floating around lots of invokes though this this is uh, this has like the only so we got the tomal tie but no What's the other big dragon that takes cards out of your opponent's hand? Dominia. Domin- no Dominia. One invoke Thamai. Interesting dragon ratios, but then three of everything else. All the dragons. Yeah. This is much closer to a big dragon well, build than Redline, then, right? Yeah, there's nine blues. Um, I think the Enigma and the Ember Moss Enterprise are being played in every matchup and Passing Rush probably as well. So nine blues. And then we see... Three Nacria, so it's harder to make room for all the two cost dragons when you're playing three Nacria. 
Yeah. And only two copies of Remembrance to make your game last 55 minutes. Tragic. If only there was room for the third, so you can go for 70 minutes. It doesn't actually make the game last that much longer. It's just three extra cards. Three cards minus a card, plus two cards. (laughs) I'm giving it 15 minutes per Remembrance. That's that's my heuristic. So until you come up with better heuristics. (laughs) I'm standing by. Don't ban Tomotai. (laughs) Don't ban it. Don't that's that's the moral of the story. But you know what? We should plus we got Katsu. Look at the sweet Katsu deck. You want to talk about some Katsu? It's only second place in Battle Heart in Columbus. But like that's a a pretty good showing for for good old Katsu guy. We're shifting a little bit from our nationals decks to look at a battle hardened list. Got second, losing to Lexi in the finals. Um, Shock. I'm shocked. What? How? <laughs> Lexi, Lexi's it's got still flick good. Flack. How could it lose? It's yeah, You just block with your flick flag and you block with your combo card and Lexi goes, oh no, I'm still only presenting another 18 damage after this. How can I win? It's tragic. Yeah. So I think, I think we see some smart card choice here we see breeze rider boots again over snapdragon scalers in a metagame with a lot of lexi just like having that one extra block in your equipment it, it can make a pretty big difference so breeze rider yeah. boots instead of snapdragon scalers and then um the three flick flacks like you said and then one copy of sync blow on top of that to just try to help cover up those four power arrows we got mask momentum we got blazing yori which i think is some spicy tech as well yeah um good against five i guess yeah Yeah. it's fine against katsu you block a lot of the time you'll block for four because you can i guess you can block out dishonor with it by itself so yeah if they do and we did it we found our first warmongers deck yeah ninja's pretty good home for warmongers diplomacy they don't play like any non-attack actions so yeah we got a one of snatch to go along with some things a one of razor reflex we got all three Mugenshi release. We're not messing around with the one of Mugenshi. We got three Mugenshis to make sure we can do our Lord of Wing combo on top of to visit the floating dojo. So not fatiguing this Katsu. Not anymore. <laughs> yeah. Though the the main the main fatigue threat Oldheim is gone. And then against Bravo, I guess against Bravo it matters to have this stuff because you you want to put the defensive cards in your deck to make sure you don't die to the dominate plan. So you have two reinforced line and a sig below. So you have the defensive cards to kind of like survive when if Bravo tries to dominate things. So you just need like some cards that help if you are drawing a little bit clunky, you're drawing these defensive cards and the Bravo's just blocking a lot, then you do want to make sure you're not just gonna run out of cards in deck. What do you think Katsu's like missing from really competing with the like the tier one decks of the format. Like, what is the missing piece of the puzzle on this deck list when you're just looking at it? So, I think right now Katsu wants to fight against decks that don't have a lot of armor, so he's better at threatening mass momentum and his hero power over and over again. Right now, the decks that are good are Lexi, who does not have a lot of armor, but is also very good against decks that don't have a lot of armor. So Katsu kind of struggles there because Lexi's just so much better than basically everything and the other decks that are doing well right now are all decks that have a lot of armor because you need a lot of armor to fight against Lexi so I think that's Katsu's biggest issue is he wants to fight against the decks that have low armor decks that have low armor are not being played because they can't be Lexi that's fair unless they're Lexi you want my hot take 
Go for it. Good. I'm glad you like my hot takes. Uh, Harmonize Karachi sucks in 2023. It's just not, they're not good. Not good. It's not good rate. One, one card, two damage. Not good. And I think it's also an extreme indictment then on stupid spider bites. Like if Harmonize Kadachi, if I'm saying is not good and not really what you want to be doing, I think spider bites is, is just like, if, if, if assassins had like any other weapon option that was like, like good, I'd be all in on that class. That class looks sick, but they get good weapons. They don't have it. And I think Ninja's starting to suffer from that particular, well, I guess Katsu in particular, just because his default off turns are just so bad and below rate. Like when things, when things come together for Katsu, he feels broken. Like he's like, oh my God, like I'm just, I'm just tutoring my deck and just attack after attack, after attack, after attack. And interestingly, there's not even Artawar in this deck to like really make those kind of turns like really pop off. Um, Phi doesn't suffer from that as much since uh, the Flame Blade is like just fine, pretty good rate. It helps him get the Draconic Chain Links. Uh, you get three damage out of your weapon consistently. Uh, yeah, yeah, Ember Blade. Uh, sorry, I said Flame Blade, Ember Blade. Uh, I think I think that weapon's like pretty respectable overall, especially considering that Phi is just a more aggressively slanted deck, anyways. But I just think it's. It's 2023. It's not. It's we're not. We're not Kadachi locking people out of the game anymore. The power level of the game has just kind of moved away from the Kadachis being like functional weapons anymore. But that that's just my hot take. Yeah, I I, I think Kadachis are probably better than you're giving them credit for. It's not a full card for two damage. It's two thirds of a card for two damage, which is the same rate as like uh like waning moon on your turn if you're able to use your one floating resource and like going like kadachi kadachi into one for five is still a two card seven it's very reasonable i think the biggest issue is first there aren't good one for fives in the game so kadachi into cnc is a real line that is quite good but i guess sorry i said there aren't good one for fives in the game that's not true lexi has a bunch of great one for fives uh there aren't just pretty that sensor card but yeah yeah there aren't a lot of good one for fives that Katsu has available to him. And then I think if he could, he would be happy to replace one of the Kadachis with like a weapon that said either two costs for three power, no go again, or one cost for two power, no go again, something like a Centauri Saber or something. If he had access to something like that, that would help smooth out the deck a lot more. Because the problem with the Kadachi Kadachi at the end of the game is if you don't have another something to do that costs your action point, you're just being pretty inefficient with your uh your resources i guess yeah that's what i was saying like with like his inefficiency overall like like his floor turns are still extremely low because kadashi just don't offer you like a lot of good like if you draw like an all blue hand in katsu for example like there's just no no way to really like utilize that hand to do anything like effectively or meaningfully and it just I think a lot of that would be alleviated if you just had some kind of different weapon set, I guess, but I don't know. I think yeah, a lot of heroes that's would actually, be a lot better if they had good weapons. <laughs> that's actually the biggest issue I ran into when I was working on Katsu. Oh gosh, when was I working on Katsu? It was like between Before Worlds Baltimore. and PT3. Yeah. yeah some, sometime in that time frame when I was working on Katsu. And like, I kept wanting to add more blues to my deck because I was trying to play like Surging Strikes, two costs, uh, attack actions and i have these weapons that i want to use i want to curve out and pitch a blue and swing 
a Kadachi or two Kadachis and play a one cost or swing a Kadachi and play a two cost. And then I would add more blues to the deck because you run into the issue where you just don't draw the blues. And then if you had too many blues to your deck, now you run into the issue where you're drawing two and three blue hands and Katsu has no real way to get value out of drawing multiple blues. And all of his blues kind of suck. Like they block three. That's great. But like, other than that, they just, they just aren't, they aren't good. They're really bad. It's not like Icelander where if you draw an Insidious Chill and another blue, you're real happy you just play your Insidious Chill. Even like Bravo, you go Terrace under Anathos, three cards, seven, that if it hits, they discard two cards and has Dominate. Like Katsu's just missing that like really impactful blue that's good on a blue heavy hand. And a lot of the stronger, more consistent heroes have that. Uh, Briar also has like Tome of Harvest where you draw two blues and Tome of Harvest, yeah. you're and i guess maybe it doesn't have to be a weapon then at that point then just like or like a piece of equipment that he could like dump resources into or something like that maybe make some kind of like a token effect make his own courage tokens make like a a tiger or something like that right the spectral tigers um crouching tiger crouching tigers uh something just like he because it's just it's just a little little too soft i think his floors are like his floors are just a little too low i think if we raise his floors up just like a little bit he's he's a good deck uh but i think no question his ceilings super good like i've been saying uh but when he misses he is he just looks like an embarrassing deck still and that combined with not being great against lexi rough it's rough Moving on to decks that are embarrassing when they miss, last deck you want to talk about is Kano, right? Yeah, so Carl Salira, Carl Cedric Salira, hopefully that's correct. In the Philippines. Uh, t- took down the Philippines Nationals with Kano. Um, yeah, Kano is, oh gosh, what do I want to say about Kano? He's embarrassing when he misses, but great when he doesn't. I, I guess that's kind of true. I feel like we didn't really talk about Kano much uh, on our last time we were talking about decks. And I think Kano is a deck that could be in a good spot if the format slows down a bit because like you have time to set up like second cycle, uh, double wildfire combos that beat basically anything your opponent can do. We I talked in the Iceland when we were talking about Icelander, I talked about how Icelander has these uh, three energy potions because they're really good in the wizard mirror. Well, if Kano's triple wildfiring you or something, then all the energy potions in the world won't save you. Or maybe maybe all the energy potions would, but three three won't save you. So um, I think Kano's in an interesting spot where he's does some very powerful things. I think his Lexi matchup's pretty bad, especially if they're on Heart of Ice or Shock Charmers or maybe two. Codex of Inertia, quite good against Kano as well. So, um, I I think once Lexi goes away, Kano might have a some time to shine. Though, I think this Kano player three hundred IQ fixed them. Uh, Lexi matchup though, I don't know if you've seen this. There's a a one of Imperial Edict floating around at the deck list. So you just pop that bad boy into play, and you name three of a kind, and Lexi goes, "Oh no, I can't cast my three of a kind," and then you combo win the game what do you think about that i uh, i don't i don't think that card's there for lexi i think it's there for uh beating like oasis or Spe- respite out of the fatigue decks uh, just make it you uh, kind of play that more aggressively and then you have imperial edict at the end to say 
no, you are not going to Oasis me. Sorry, buddy. <laughs> what if they Oasis then, in response? Well, you play you it on your, your turn. You, you activate it on your turn, and then you're going to combo them on their turn. So it doesn't matter if Oasis um, goes away. Because that's, that's not fair. a turn. Yet another uh, reason the, why people need thing, to be playing Enchanting Melody. Yeah, yeah, that's you're right. Enchanting Melody, that's it. Uh, I guess the biggest thing that I almost overlooked in this deck is there's three copies of Enlightened Strike. So not going yeah. full on all the attacks, but three Enlightened Strike is three more attacks than we've traditionally seen in Kano. Do you know why they're there? Nope, tell me. Icelander. Uh, lots of Kanos have been talking about playing attack actions, uh, especially Finals Fighting Spirit has been seeing a lot of play. Uh, but, you know, if you just want to make sure that you can kind of filter your deck through a little bit more or uh, just have a little bit more flexibility, it makes a lot of sense to play the Enlightened Strike. But just the attacks are just so good in the Wizard Mirrors. Yeah. Weird being a wizard is not actually what you want to be doing in the Wizard Mirrors. Yeah, <laughs> so. you want to be punching. Yeah. <laughs> We also see I have Ophidia floating around in here. Not a lot of Kanos play that card, but always happy to see that card floating around. Yeah, it's high ceiling, high floor, or low floor. You hit it off Kano, it's awful, but you pitch it to Kano, it's very good. Yeah. Anything else interesting going on in here? All equipment looks pretty normal. All the other yeah, cards look the pretty way. stocky. Yeah. Oh, three Aetherize. Uh, one Chain Lightning. Or one eighth sorry. An Aetherize. Interesting. Yeah. What are we Aetherizing? Uh, I think it's also there for Oasis, but I'm not positive. Could hit Lightning Press and Rain Razors, I guess, but that's not really how you want to be using a card. And it being a no block makes it a pretty big liability against Lexi. Um, and being an instant, so you can't Kano it, is also a pretty big liability. Yeah. I imagine it's for these defensive decks looking to cast Oasis against you, but I'm not. I'm not sure. What a guy this Kano is. So, what did you think about Nationals meta overall? Did you think it was fun? Did you think it was healthy? Did you think uh, we're we're having a good time? Yeah, I I actually think the format like if it weren't for the fact that Lexi has been the best deck for a while, I actually think Lexi's a good deck to be the best deck. I think there's like a lot of agency in Lexi mirrors. I think that there are several different ways you can kind of attack Lexi, whether you want to take a kind of a fatigue angle, you will want to try to race her like Usury style with like a lot of disruption through traps and command conquerors. You want to kind of like toe the line as Bravo, where you want to both threaten a lot of on hits, then kind of use that to fatigue her. I think she is, in my opinion, a kind of like a pretty solid deck to be the best deck. And she also has no blocking equipment, so that, that is a pretty big, or very little blocking equipment, so that's a pretty big vulnerability. Um, that said, she is definitely the best deck. She's been the best deck for six months. And I think the fact that she's been the best for so long just makes it kind of uncomfortable and people are just ready for something fresh. And it feels like with Lexi looming over the metagame, we haven't gotten anything fresh. And then also Dust Till Dawn being so low impact compared to outsiders makes also makes the meta feel kind of stale and like we've we've been playing the same format for a long time yeah agreed i uh 
I didn't have a lot of fun in the tournament at the end. I thought, I guess, like, I just wish Briar had a little bit more game into Lexi. So our team's build of Briar would have been good. Uh, or maybe we figured out Fatigue Briar. But now that that deck's gone, if that was also another good check on Lexi, if that's going away, that's also, I think, pretty problematic for the format. And we kind of saw for the rest of Nationals, like, nobody else picked up Charles Dunn mantle of Fatigue Briar to try to take down any Nationals. Like, and I don't really blame players because, like, what are you going to do? Buy into Briar right at, now that she's living legend to try to put this deck? Like, it just doesn't make sense. So even if it was a good answer to the format, the fact that people are so unlikely to pick it up just kind of made the format feel more in balance than it might have been otherwise if that just like wasn't a factor for people and then obviously now that briar's living legend there's just not a fact it just can't be a factor anymore so i think that isn't great <laughs> but who knows maybe uh bright lights will come out and they'll just print a card that says destroy target lexi player do you think do you think that'll be a mechanologist card uh, I don't think so. They might add one more way to like pull the equipment out of the combat chain because right now uh, that's not allowed. Dash no, don't, 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 no, don't, don't do that. Don't blow up New Horizon. That feels bad. You don't want, you don't want to blow up New Horizon. You can't, you can't do. Why would you advocate for that, Michael? No, 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 no. I, I do think Horizon. it's kind of not pleasant if your opponent just is consistently able to blow up a bunch of your equipment. I think that's not a good game experience. And I think we probably, it's kind of awkward we're not blowing how... up a bunch of equipment. We're not we're not blowing up a bunch of equipment. What what deck is blowing well, up a bunch of equipment? If you're going T-bone into T-bone into magmatic shockwave, you're making them block with their all their equipment, right? Sure. Okay. But so, that's a, that, that's just because you're blocking with a piece of equipment doesn't mean it's being blown up. There's lots of equipment that can block without that's true. being blown up. Oh, yeah. That that's fair. Um, but I I think I'm. There, there are a lot of cool decks in the format. I think if Lexi leaves the format, it'll be open for at least a little while. I don't think there's any clear like deck that's like the next deck to beat once Lexi's gone. Like even, even the Wolf Pack, they're like, yeah, all these ex- different decks are good. So I think Icelander's close. I, I think Icelander it could be pretty oppressive in an unchecked field. Uh, but I guess like Dromai, if like Dromai wants to, and Dash can both pretty easily beat up Icelander if they want to. Yeah, I think both those matchups are really tough for Icelander. Like, I think Dash, just like most builds of Dash are pretty favored into Icelander. And then Dromai, you can build a deck that's like quite good into Icelander if that's the way you want to go, basically. Yeah, at the end of the day, it just takes like, like if Dromai wants to fatigue Icelander, you just put two Thaws in your sideboard and you're like, okay, I win. Congrats. Right? Uh, It's not necessarily that simple i think like i think is that simple. the rest of your deck matters a decent amount. okay well i know you're the drama expert around here so i guess with that we should wrap it yeah. up <laughs> well the next time you're not winning a tournament with drama always remember mind your manners <laughs>